0: Welcome, folks, to Brand of Man Ministries, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ, not through or by any work of man, but by the grace of God alone. I'm Pastor Will Hunsaker, and today we'll take a brief look at Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 4, verses 12 through 20. So far in chapter 4, we've learned that from Paul, a child of God has matured from dependency on the law to the freedom found in grace. They've moved to adulthood. In other words, they're now less focused on what they do and more on what has been done for them. To simplify it even further, according to Paul, children of God and heirs to his kingdom are exclusively focused on the gospel, or should be. But this is a challenge that Paul is facing with these Galatians. So now we're going to look at these verses, 12 through 20, where Paul teaches that children of God who know the superiority of grace should not return, but the light in the word of God, and all will be altered by the relationship with his Holy Son. So let's remind ourselves to whom Paul is writing this letter. He's writing to Jews and Gentiles, predominantly Gentiles, that have received the gospel of grace from him, but their joy is being stolen by those seeking to corrupt them with law. So let's go right to the text. This is from the Apostle Paul. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Those false teachers are eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's, that's all right. But let them do it all the time, and not just when I am with you. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains with you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone. But at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. That's Galatians 4, verses 12 through 20. Right out of the gate, immediately, Paul encourages the Galatians, whom he seems to care for very much, not to return to a faith of law and works, to earn the grace of God, or even one to validate their faith. Instead, hold fast to the freedom found in the grace of God. He says, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. Galatians 4, 12. He reminds them of the joy they once had when he first embraced the grace of God. Now it appears that when Paul first arrived in Galatia, he developed a, a pretty significant eye illness that kept him there. He comments on how the Galatians were true reflections of the grace that God had showed them, and he wonders where that went. He says, where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it were possible. Galatians 4.15. Now, of course, Paul appears to be exaggerating his condition to make a point, you know, removing his eyes so that he could receive theirs. But the point was, how welcoming the Galatians were to the word of God, despite his illness. And this is an important note because in ancient Rome and Greece, they viewed physical illness as a curse from the gods. And in this particular instance, they were still eager to receive Paul's teaching. That's an important point on how joyful they, they were. They would normally reject him because they thought he was cursed. But they're eager to receive his teachings of grace and were very joyful in it. And that led them from the captivity of the law, things that they were supposed to do, to the freedom they had in God's grace. So we can see that Paul's concern and confusion when he says this, he says, Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? That's Galatians 4.16. The Galatians were experiencing the same things we do today. There's really, I mean, there's cultural differences, but the the impact of the faith, this new uh, presentation of the gospel had the same effects. And one of them was a lack of assurance, a lack of assurance in faith, a lack of assurance in salvation based on what someone else has done. It's difficult for us in our fallen state to accept that. We always think that we have to do more or, or validate it in some way. And, and then really from over the last 2000 years, we Christians have been in a constant state of faith validation. We're always looking for ways to assure ourselves that we are walking in a manner that pleases God. That's where they were easily led back into this um, condition of law, these Galatians were, as validations of their faith. We experience this today. Like I said, are we, are we reading our Bibles enough? Are we volunteering enough? Are, are we giving enough? Are we tithing enough? Are we praying enough? Are we forgiving others enough? I mean, we could continue, but I think you get the point. We've become fixated on what we do instead of what has already been done. This is this is the trap the false teachers had set then, and they set it today. And we all, just like the Galatians, fall into it unknowingly because it just it slips in. It's very stealthy. So, these Judaizers, these ones influencing the Galatians, their message was simple. You are saved by God's grace, and you must do these things. Or they even would go as far to say this, your faith is from God, there's no dispute of that, but you must do these things to keep it and validate it. That teaching, my dear brothers and sisters, is contrary to the gospel, because if there was something more we should do or could do to earn God's grace or assure ourselves of our faith, how much then would be enough? Well, Jesus' answer time and time again is, with man, that is impossible. This is why we are saved by God's grace alone, through Jesus Christ. And the only part we really play in that is to receive it. And as far as our faith is concerned, well, Jesus is the author of it and the finisher of it, not us. The author of Hebrews makes that very clear. He said, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It is from this perspective that what we do in our lives of the Christian faith is only a reflection, only a reflection of what Christ has already done. Think of it this way. If you were to take a plane from the West coast of the United States to the East coast of the United States, what gets you from the West coast to the East coast? Well, it's the plane. The plane gets you there. Not what you do inside the plane, especially not what you experience inside the plane. Good or bad, it doesn't matter. I mean, you could have a a great trip. No issues with anything. What gets you there? The plane. Not the fact that you had a great trip. You could have a horrible trip, babies crying, the, the person next to you snores all the time. Your seatbelt doesn't fit. It's hot. It's you can't sleep. Turbulence everywhere. Whatever the case, the food is bad. It doesn't matter. Still, what gets you from the West Coast to the East Coast, from point A to point B, is the plane, not your experience inside of it. But the false teacher doesn't want you to acknowledge or focus on the plane. He wants you to focus on your experience inside the plane. That is not gospel. That is law. They want you to focus on what you do rather than what is already done. Now, once we realize this distinction between what we do, which is the law, from what has been done, which is the gospel, our lives will reflect the joy in obedience to God's grace in a way that cannot be measured, because it will flow freely outward, never to turn back inward, to justify ourselves, causing anxiety and depression and Who knows what? You never think you're doing enough, or you're always on guard to make sure you're doing exactly what should be done in accordance with someone else. Jesus said, my way is light. My burden is light. Peace I bring to you. Folks, something happens to believers when we find great joy in the grace of God, not in our works. They are transformed by what has been done. Paul says this very thing in verse 19. He says, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. That's Galatians 4, verse 19. This is the same context that he said a few verses earlier. For verse 12, he said, I plead with you. This is the beginning of our verses today. I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. Galatians 4.12 Christians are to live, folks. Christians are to live in faith and discipleship. Not through what we do, but from what Christ has already done. He is developing our lives. We are not developing Him. He brings us peace. We do not bring peace to ourselves. He gives us faith because we are unable to have it on our own. The list goes on. What we do is important, but it is always secondary to what has been done. Don't have sin, guilt, folks. You're going to still sin. That was proven with Peter. Look at David. I mean, there's constant examples all throughout Scripture on that. Paul speaks of battling this constantly. So it is not what we do, because if it was, we would fail. It is always focused on what he has done. That will flow outward. Don't turn it back in. So, what we do is always secondary to what he has done, and it can neither add nor take away from your relationship with him. To tell us, die. Those are the last words spoken by Jesus as he died on the cross. To tell us, die. It is finished. Dear brothers and sisters, if you've heard nothing else from this today, please hear this. If you believe, the Son of God now lives in you, and all that the Father gives him, he loses none. Thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look upon you and give you peace. Next up on Open Your Bibles, we will explore Galatians chapter 4, this time verses 21 through 31, where Paul divides the world through two sons, two women, and two covenants. God bless you all, and remember, the Bible cannot mean anything different today, than it did back then.